Don't create content to talk about how amazing your product is. Ask questions that pertain to your target audience and see what they say. Um, any, any feedback is great feedback. We are excited to be joined by Daniel Kading today. If you don't know who Daniel is, he is a content strategist, consultant, and coach who helps small businesses and creators craft compelling content that attracts customers. He's also the author of the LinkedIn Engagement Playbook. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm Angelica, and this is my co-host, Ariel. Okay. Hi. Nice to meet both of you, Good. officially. Nice to meet you, too, bro. <laughs> Yeah. So what's a typical day for, for Daniel Kading? Um, yeah, a typical day, uh, a typical day is to, uh, check in with my clients. I figure out what I want to post about to LinkedIn that day. Um, what other things I want to repurpose. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty scattered. I'm pretty ADHD about what I do, but I I do stay very proficient and I kind of just work as things come to me. Cause once my clients get back to me, usually there's a a nice batch of stuff I need to work on so I can dive into that and I can focus on that for a little bit and bust out uh, plenty of pieces for them to get their stuff batched and ready for their week of content or the next two or three weeks of content, depending on how much they've given me. Um, But yeah, that's sort of like the big thing. But really what I've been doing is I was working for a, uh, yeah, a uh, creative agency, but that contract actually just ended today. So that was kind of what I was mentioning about a stressful Monday. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, so I'm still trying to, I'm still reeling from that a little bit. So before I was working with that as a client success manager, part-time as well. So um, yeah, so things have opened up a little bit and honestly, it's, it's good timing because I have my business that uh, I do f- with my clients and ever since going on the social media marketing podcast, uh, I've been getting a lot more inquiries and a lot more uh, people reaching out like yourself. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to catch lightning while I can and just keep flying with it and use this momentum to, to keep scaling and, and see if I can really make something awesome out of this. So, yeah. Yeah. So what does your clientele look like right now? What kind of people are you helping? Are they in all different sorts of industries or do you focus on one particular type of business person? Yeah, I really like to work with uh, people that are in the creator economy space, people that are trying to create a service base uh, you know, book of clients that maybe they need 10, 20, 30, um, or on the flip side, they're just looking to build a personal brand and, and leverage their story and just uh, put more of who they are out there to the world. But yeah, a lot of uh, CEOs and founders uh, uh, even have some, you know, real estate agents, um, a videographer I've, I've had as a client. Um, but really anybody, the, the, the world is pretty big when it comes to personal branding. And there's a lot of people that are trying to connect their experience and who they are. And so there's a lot of opportunity for someone like myself to appeal to a lot of different people, but basically anybody that's got a story to tell a lot of experience and they're looking to leverage that and start bringing on new leads and growing their business around their story instead of a set of product details. So that's sort of the, the big move. So that's, that's sort of who I work with. Yeah. Wow. It seems like you have a pretty wide spectrum of, of business clients and I know everybody's marketing needs are always different. So how do you, how do you decipher, you know, like roadmaps for each of the businesses? Yeah. So, so that's, that's very good. That's a very good, good thing to point out. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is deciding if, if LinkedIn is the right place yep. for someone to be. 
Um, yeah. If you have, you know, if you're living, I guess, I think I'm using this term right, but you can, <laughs> economics of scale, if you're yeah. trying to sell a ton of products oh. and like your first thing is you need to sell products, that's number one. Like you got to keep the lights on through bringing in constant sales. Yep. If you're someone like that, if you're in that line of work now, no, that's not to be said that growing a personal brand isn't important, but for a startup that's really just trying to keep moving and keep scaling, maybe they're not as focused around that at the beginning. So yeah, that's a huge part of it is just understanding the perspective of my client and figuring out really, you know, do they have it in them to commit to creating content for the long haul? Cause I can waste a lot of time too, you know, trying to build up someone's brand and then find out that they're really not that committed to this whole personal branding thing. So that's been a big, uh, a big hiccup for me uh, in finding my clients and just figuring out who's truly committed. Um, and uh, so that's, that's been, that's been a hurdle for me, but yeah, now that I've kind of figured that out and I've really taken time to vet people in advance, I think that's super helpful, not only for myself, but the people I'm working with and just making sure that, uh, that LinkedIn is the right place for them and maybe telling their story is really important, but maybe it should be on TikTok. Maybe it should be, uh, in yeah. a different community. Maybe they should be in Twitter spaces and they should just be talking directly to CEOs or whatever. So it, that is a big part of it that I hope I answer your question. Yeah, no, you, you have. And it's funny you say that because Angie and I, we always have this conversation and it's almost like one of those things where, you know, the, so to decipher who they are and who you're working with, I always go with, Who's your audience you're speaking to? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business, who do you want to speak to? And if they give me the, I want to sell to everybody or I want to speak to everybody, I'm like, no, let's break it down and start very endemic to a, a smaller pot of people than be able to grow and see where your business goes. So you just come straight out of the gate. And I, and I always ask that question. And, and that's the toughest thing for, these, for people and small businesses because there's so much information out there. There's so many people like us that's out there that can kind of help them figure out what they want to do, but it's kind of overwhelming for them because they don't know where to start. Right. Because unfortunately, so enough, true. I'm, yeah. unfortunately enough, social media marketing isn't all marketing, right? It's no. part, it's part of it. Yeah. And as much as it's amazing for your brand, for you as a business, as a person, it could be also detrimental if you don't manage it correctly. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it's a good like, quick trip to getting burned out and <laughs> yeah. hating social media. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah. I hear you on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I do is really niche and yeah, not everybody's going to need a ghostwriter. Not everybody's going to want to have a ghostwriter either. No. It really comes down to, um, do you have a lot to say and not enough time to write it down? Yeah. Yeah, that's usually a really good sweet spot to meet with my clients. Cause yeah. if there's just not a whole lot to say, and I got to be like a dentist and pull teeth all the time to just conjure up something new. Um, otherwise I'm going to be writing everything and it's just going to be my voice. So yeah. That's been that sweet spot. So I use a lot of Loom. I use Loom a lot now where I just, yeah. I send my clients, I send my clients a list of like 10, 15 questions. And then I tell them to respond to them. Give me like a two minute response to this exact question. And, and that usually gives me a lot to chew on. And then it also gives me their voice too. So I can really capture their voice. I don't have to go back and forth. It's right there. I, and, and yeah, people are like, well, you can just transcribe. I mean, it's, there's more to it than that. And uh, there's a lot of copywriting that goes into LinkedIn. It's a heavily written platform. Um, video is of course making its mark on the platform and a whole lot yeah. of other things, but it's still heavily written. And so, yeah, yeah being able to keep people's attention and, and keep them reading every single day, like, like you are like, like you're writing a lifestyle blog and people are yeah. they're they're chiming in on that every single day. That's powerful. And if I can get people to that point where they're so locked in on their brand, that they're invested in this personal yep. brand and they want to hear that story and they want to return every single day. That's what I want to create for my clients is that 
sort of fan base where they're constantly getting that that it's it's a lot of fun too <laughs> you know yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's not creating content you're sharing your story too you know it's not just you're building yep. your business you're you're uh you're finding an outlet for your own creativity and your own story your own storyline so yeah yeah yep <laughs> absolutely yeah what made you um decide to focus on linkedin um you know i feel like linkedin is just starting to get the notoriety and uh making a, a new mark in in the social media uh, strategy because a lot of people, you know, they just relied on Facebook and Instagram. And now LinkedIn is finally starting to get, you know, more and more active. Um, when did you decide that LinkedIn is something that you really wanted to focus on as opposed to all the other social media platforms? Yeah. Uh, story time. So I, uh, yeah, my big thing was I, I was in a startup at the time, another startup I was with, um, right before, COVID hit. Um, and yeah, I was uh, doing, I was out in the field building an entire like client book of business here in my town, uh, going to restaurants, starting them at the beginning of the pipeline, getting them to the end of it, you know, also helping them after they had been set up, but basically like a re restaurant marketing app. And I had all these experiences from the road. And like, I, I was also in school in online school and stay at home dad. I was doing a lot of things at once, but um, I, I had all these experiences that I really wanted to share with a lot of the people in my class and my online school and the online discussion boards. And it just didn't seem like people were all that motivated. They were there to get their credits, but they weren't necessarily there to talk about geeky stuff and like, you know, marketing concepts and branding things that I really was pumped about, like the differences between a, between a, uh, a, a Chevy ad and a Subaru ad, you know, like the differences in emotional acuity and, and just a whole bunch of stuff. And like, beyond that, like I had all of that going on. And then I, I start, I just started sharing it on LinkedIn instead of sharing it with my discussion boards and my classmates. And I found a huge group of people that were just pumped to be on LinkedIn and were pumped to be sharing ideas, not only from their careers, but their past experiences at work. Cause at the end of the day, like we spend a lot of time working. We spend a lot of time doing things in our jobs, in our careers. It's really easy to want to bring that home with you and drive your relatives and your family members and your wife, you know, your wives insane, you know, talking about yeah, the, the things that you're going through at work. It's great to have that place where you can take some of those experiences and share them with a lot of other people that get it. And I think LinkedIn is great because it's not a place where people are just going to tune out. Like people have LinkedIn pulled up while they're at work. They have it next to their other pages, their Slack channels, because they know if someone chimes in, that could be a new lead. That could be a new partnership, a new business, somebody that's very important that may be shooting them a DM. Now it could be a salesperson that's just thirsty and dying for a new lead, or it could be someone that's really important. And if you have a really good brand and a lot of great content, I think LinkedIn is just a really magical place because you can connect with people. And when you start conversations, those conversations lead to new pockets of influence and those new pockets of influence lead to new followers. They lead to new clients. So I think compared to IG or TikTok or any of these other places that do have a lot of great people on them. Don't get me wrong. The biggest difference is that every, most of the people, I swear 90, 95% of the people you talk to on LinkedIn are there for a reason to grow their businesses or grow themselves. And I think that's what makes it really excited for someone like, like myself who has a lot of great things to say, a lot of great insights. And I want to get that constant feedback and I want to do it with people that are here for a reason. So I think that's really what makes it great. And that's what drew me to LinkedIn and my poetry background. And that I've been writing for 15 plus years. It just felt natural for me. So that's another aspect of it too. 
Yeah. I mean, to be a ghostwriter for LinkedIn, I didn't even know that was a, you know, something you could do. So how do you want either until like a year ago? Yeah. I didn't even know you could either. <laughs> you literally created a new category. I think I, I took it from somebody else. Somebody else I met early on was a ghostwriter. Um, and I was just doing like content checks at the time. And I was like, Oh, ghostwriting. Nah, no, nah, I don't need to do that. That's that's overboard. I'm just going to check people's stuff, give them feedback. But then I realized very quickly that people don't really have the time to write their own stuff. And before no. you know it, you're, you're waiting on clients to get you information when you could have just written it for them and been like, Hey, how does this sound? And once that started happening, I was like, okay, yeah, it's time to switch gears on this, charge a little bit more, provide a whole lot more value. But really I just kind of fell into it, honestly. And I've always wanted to be a writer uh, 10 plus years ago, I never would have thought I could make money doing anything other than like going famous with like a really good book, you know, the Anthony Bourdain model, you know, not, not going to work out for most people. So for, for me, 10 plus years ago to be making money as a writer, it just blows my mind. I couldn't be more excited about it. <laughs> so, so I got one for you. Like, you know, it seems like you're talking a lot of, you know, like small businesses, you know, um, you, it seems like you're talking to an array of types of different clients. Like, What's top three, top three for you for marketing, you know, not so strategically, but like the top three things when someone is starting a business or considering starting a market or they've been marketing and looking to see if they've missed the cue on something. What was your top three in, in things that you should be considering if you're going to start when you start marketing your business? Top three things that you should consider if you start a business at all when it comes to marketing. Is that sort of the question? Is that, is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. So I would say, uh, who, <laughs> who is it that you're trying to sell to? Um, if that person, if that, yeah, if that person is you and you are the target audience and you're creating a, a product that is based off of something that you have, you know, dreamed up on your own even better because then you know exactly what the needs are. But if you don't know those needs, um, I would say number two, build that community around that subject get qualitative feedback on a daily basis. Don't create content to talk about how amazing your product is. Ask questions that pertain to your target audience and see what they say. Um, any, any feedback is great feedback. And on the flip side, you know, LinkedIn's gonna you know, push your stuff even further. But then, uh, and then number three, uh, I guess I would say that like, once you've built out that community, um, really try to create I guess if you're talking about within this specific lane, try to create a service that really appeals to them. And if that service doesn't feel like it's packing enough of a punch, then up the value, do more. You know, like with what I'm doing right now, I may be ghostwriting, but my stuff still is not that evergreen, like beyond the two to three weeks it lasts on LinkedIn. So I'm considering opening up a blogging feature where I can take my, my clients really great work that's done really well over that month and repurpose it into a blog format. And, and then they can easily share it on their website and make it evergreen, connect SEO to it. And, and then I'm just upping the value. So I think um, filling in those gaps where you get that feedback from your clientele and, and figuring out how you can make it even more effective. Um, you know, people waste a lot of time talking about like getting on Instagram and paying for a bunch of ads, yeah. but they don't even have a great idea yet. So um, and they don't that, know who their audience is yet. Yeah. And they don't know who their audience is yet. They haven't tapped into that yet. Um, yeah. I, I think that's just such a huge thing, such a mismark by a lot of companies and a lot of brands um, in any, in any area. So yeah, I think those would be my top three if I was to so narrow it down. Basically know your audience, resonate your message and stay in your lane. 
build your community too and listen to that community community. yeah and listen to that community exactly like i mean even someone like elon musk i know people don't like it when you mention him but you know i'm not a fanboy or anything but elon musk (laughs) like if he has a question he puts it on twitter and then he looks at the feedback i mean like if someone who has that big of a brand can create a survey then like, why can't we, and why can't we, you know, like if everybody else is doing it, if everybody else is putting really strong calls to action in their video, even the biggest of names, we should too. It's not cringy. It just works. Right. So stuff like that. Right. Completely (laughs) agree. Completely agree. Yeah. Elon Musk is asking like company, you know, company moving questions. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, it's right there. I sell all of my Tesla stock. It's like, um, no, oh, yeah, the, the stock market ones are just, yeah, there's just so much that can happen there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just ups and downs, right? Yeah. So that, that, that'd be the areas I would focus on. So I, cool. I don't yeah, know if you have any questions around that. Exactly. Model what a billionaire is doing for sure. Um, yeah, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. There's just, there's so much information out there. We live in a world of abundance as far as I'm concerned. And, and yeah, and the only reason I figured out what I wanted to do was by, understanding my clients more and more each and every single one like getting more feedback from them and uh and then yeah and then engaging that audience online like i was trying to figure out that blogging idea that i was just mentioning to you and so i created a tiktok and i asked is this a good idea and then like i got a good good 10 or 15 people that told me it was a good idea they're like could i do this with you and i'm like okay i think it's good let's do it (laughs) (laughs) exactly polls are everything polls feedback you definitely have to you know ask your audience ask the people what they need, what they want. There's no harm in that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And even beyond the polls, just like in the comments, you know, engaging people on every platform on Twitter, it like, like the account that goes the extra mile to ask a, a follow-up question on a comment like that, that goes a long way. People rem- remember that stuff. And then yeah. they, then they not only do they start a conversation with you and the algorithm connects you on a, on a deeper level, but emotionally speaking, you're the brand that spoke back. So I think there's a huge, there's a lot of opportunity there where a lot of people are like, Oh, the place is flooded and everybody's talking about the same stuff, uh, but no, like th- there's a lot of people that are just putting out stuff and they're not giving that authentic response back. So even beyond the polls, like on LinkedIn, asking a question and every single thing, someone's like, I love this insight. Okay. What do you think about it? Why do you love it? And then go deeper. Uh, the, not only does it help with engagement points, but it helps you build that brand and it gets you that feedback. So just to add on to that. <laughs> So how did the um, pandemic affect you? I mean, I saw your interview with Michael Selsner. You know, I, I thought that was amazing that, you know, Thank you, you. you created this new category for yourself basically throughout the pandemic. Um, do you think that that would have happened had we not had the pandemic? Um, it, it probably would have still happened in some other sense. I think that my deep deep disdain for uh, like corporate America was not going to disappear. <laughs> it was not going to disappear. I was still a rebel. I was still. Tell us um, how you really uh, feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've got, I've gone long enough. Like, you know, even if they saw one of these podcasts, I'd be like, yeah, sorry. You know, the shoe fits. Right. So um, yeah, the, the, I had some issues with that last company I worked with before my daughter was born. Um, so 
I think really the biggest catalyst for change for me was my daughter. So, I mean, the pandemic came after that. And so, yeah, I think it definitely pushed things forward for me. I think it gave me some reflecting time. It gave us all a lot of time to think about things. And, um, and, and really the biggest thing I realized was that I just couldn't stand the idea of other people controlling my success. And, and the biggest aspect of going out on my own and being forced into that by being a stay at home dad and going to school and just trying to, cause like, you gotta, you gotta be a working parent, no matter how you do it nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find that balance and being pushed into that circumstance, I think really did test me in that sense. And, um, so, so yeah, um, the pandemic sped it up, uh, but I think it was still going to happen. And I really wanted to, I didn't want to be a, a, a manufacturing worker for the rest of my life. I wanted to do something bigger. And my daughter being born was definitely the biggest catalyst for that, where, you know, I was just, my wife was just like, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, I don't really want to like go seek out a union job as much as that sounds really nice and really like responsible. I, I really want to go back to school and I really want to do this thing where I build a business for my laptop. And that was four or five years ago. And uh, you know, sure, through sheer will or, you know, determination or st sheer stubbornness, I, I have gotten mm -hmm. somewhere, I've gotten closer to that. So um, yeah, the, the yeah. daughter was the big one for sure. <laughs> I, I can definitely relate to that. And it's funny because I work for some pretty big brands globally, some pretty cool brands. And um, I too had a little one and I too hung it up, you know, and, but now that I see that she's grown up and she's going to go into high school, I didn't skip a beat. So it's funny how you say that um, it matters, right? Because what I'm getting here to, Daniel, is, is on top of being an entrepreneur, on top of that hustle, on top of that grind, on top of this daily nonstop of your brain just always spinning and looking for avenues, you have to balance, right? And it seems mm -hmm. like family to you is very, very important. At the same time, your hustle and grind is very important. I mean, share some tips on balance because when people get become an entrepreneur like the three of us know, it's like they fail to realize how much work is put into it? Because when I launched my own business, like, yeah, I can surf every day. I don't got the answer to nobody, but no one <laughs> said my business was going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Versus clocking <laughs> in every day at a company. So yeah, like it, it just doesn't stop. But people like us are engaged in this, in this, in this, in this lifestyle or having our minds being challenged all the time. And as you're being challenged, you're always creating, right? Like, Share some of the balance because you have to balance because if you don't balance, you're going to explode, right? Or you're going to implode is what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Burnout is around the corner no matter what. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that balance, even just to like to throw it back to like the regular, the regular, like hourly jobs, salary jobs, whatever, like, yeah, that balance is especially hard. Even if someone's there to like, tell you, you got to go to work. It's like the flip side of like, you got to go to work and you got to do it. Um, I, I really, I think, I, I wish I felt more qualified to answer this question because I think I still struggle a lot with this one. I think the biggest we one for me- We all struggle. We're good. Oh, man. I know. I know. We all yeah, struggle. So, there, there's no uh, right answer. Yeah, so How do you deal I would, with it? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is like finding those daily things that I really feel like kind of take from me a little bit more than they should. Because I think, I know that Gary Bird, which is someone I follow big time, he talks about like how he'll, he'll like justify- being on his phone because he runs a, he has a huge following on TikTok. So he justifies being on his phone a lot and responding to messages. But there is that, 
time that he has to be away and he has to just tap out and say like, it's the end of the day for me. And I gotta, I gotta get back to just relaxing on the couch. And those things have, as much as an entrepreneur and like wanting to go, go, go until nine or 11 o'clock at night or whenever, for me, it's a lot of like when the baby is sleeping, I'm like, okay, what can I do right now? You know, like the baby's napping, let's go. Like right now the baby's taking a nap. I'm doing a podcast. So like, uh, I'm always trying to squeeze those things in. So I think to answer your question, it would be figuring out what things really help to move the needle forward. It's so easy to be like, oh, I have one or two hours right now. Oh, I would love to write some LinkedIn content. I would love to create some TikTok videos. But really what I probably should be doing is setting up my stand store and redoing my website or whatever else, you know? And so I think the big thing is uh, utilizing those times of the day when like you really want to just like, tune out and create a TikTok video, which is just so much fun. And you know that that could move your need, move the needle forward, but really you're doing it for the passion. I, I think that those things should be reserved for other chunks of time and, and just figuring out what stuff is so super important and vital to get done. And then what time of day is it important to just shut the laptop and maybe go plug your phone in and just let it charge. And, and for me, that's been the big one recently. And that's been helping a ton. So like seven, eight o'clock at night, it's done. I'm not doing anything. And my phone, for one reason or another, I keep having to charge it at nighttime. So it's the perfect time. I go plug it in somewhere else and, and I'm good for a little bit, but yeah, just, uh, that's, that's been the big one. And, uh, and having a partner and a wife, cause that, that keeps me really super, super grounded in my values and my principles and, uh, and just making sure I'm paying attention because yeah. as an entrepreneur, it's easy to just care about that or to just focus in on that one thing all the time. Um, right. yeah. So that's a big all one. Right. Yeah. Would you consider launching a YouTube channel or to do your own podcast? Um, I guess if I did, I would want to do both at the same time. If I, if I had a podcast, I'd want to be broadcasting to YouTube too. Um, I have considered the idea, but I, I just, I don't want to like give myself that big thing to shoot for. Cause I just feel like it's a lot of pressure. So I have been going on as many podcasts as I can to kind of fill that void for myself. Um, yeah. But I would love to start a YouTube channel and maybe have a little bit more of a, just a more expanded version of what I've been doing on TikTok and just go into more depth with some of the other subjects. Absolutely. I would love to have a YouTube channel. That's a, that's sort of like the, the, the focal point to get to for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Gary Bird. I'm not familiar with him at all. I would okay. have to look him up. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah. He, he's an entrepreneur out of, uh, I think San Diego. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's just, I've been, I've been following him since he had like 60 followers on TikTok and now he's got like 80 or 90. Um, and he's always kept in really good touch. He's a community builder, uh, true to his core for sure. And he's just here to support a lot of entrepreneurs. And so Gary, if you're listening out there, love you, man. <laughs> so Gary, um, Gary, Gary, <laughs> so, yeah. um, Gary B. it's Gary B. Yeah. Yeah, Gary, Gary, yeah. Gary, 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 yeah, Gary B, not Gary D, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, a, yeah, yeah, we are all about community. Um, you know, we actually Ari and I started an online business directory for Southern California. So our whole goal of our YouTube channel is to, uh, you know, really reach out to the community, the local community here. As you know, Ariel is the Lakewood Vice Mayor. He's super tapped into the community here. So yeah, we are trying really cool. to. Love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah we're I mean, to bridge offline and online. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that Angie and I, when we connected, it's almost there's so much that's going on and cross pollinating these worlds together. Because 
I'm like, I'm a regular person, right? But obviously I own two businesses. It's a grind and left corporate. Now I'm a public servant, you know, yeah. and, 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 and like anything, it's still a grind, whether you're in politics, whether you're a small entrepreneur, it's still yeah. a grind. You still got to pay the dues and you still got to, you know, it's just, I just feel like the political world is just a little different when it comes to things, but you know, I bet I, I, I can only but, imagine, <laughs> you know what? It's not as well. So I'm not jaded by politics. No, I just, you know, you, you do what's best for your community and the people and like for yourself as businesses and marketing, you do what's best for you and what you think would be best to raise someone's business. And that's what I've done. So I haven't been like jaded by like the Good. polarization of what's going that's on great. in this world right now. And like, yeah, you can get caught up, but then in, in, in the end of the day, you come home and you know, you're just, you're still the same person and, and two people hate each other, but you take the, the political part out. They're just two regular people like us. We're all marketing people in some way, shape or form. Just yeah. kind of oh, yeah. enjoy this, this, this quote I always use. Happiness is a journey, not a destination. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Like, I mean, and, and if you're having fun doing it, don't worry about the payout. The payout will come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I, I walked into all of this with that. I mean, I talked yeah. to some of my friends from back in the early stages of what I was doing, Shivange out in India and like my buddy Sven in Germany. And they've been here since the beginning. My, my other friend uh, out in uh, the UK, uh, Brad. Yeah. And they, and they're like, Dan, I'm just so pumped for you. They're like, Dan, you know, like you, you, you uh, committed to this. And, and it's like, for me, I've been a creator my whole life. I just, I just shifted some of my focal point on some of the personal stuff and made it into something that I could put online and I could share for other people. And it's like that desire to create is going to be there no matter what. And I think the community building and the networking and the business growth can, is sort of like that secondary push. So I think if anybody's out there thinking, how do I make this easier for myself, remove some of those barriers of like, okay, what is a personal brand or what do I need to talk about online or what is my audience what are they going to care about? At the end of the day, they want to get to know you. And, and a lot of times building trust requires being vulnerable and sharing stories that maybe you didn't think that they would care about, but they really do. Yeah. And like bringing up Gary Vee, like he told a story a long time ago about like, why is traffic always slowed down when there's no traffic or there's no car accident? <laughs> He's like, why is it that you get to the, the, the spot where everything's happening and you got six lanes <laughs> of traffic and everything's moving slow and all there yeah. is is a little bit of a cleanup crew. And he's like, that's because everybody's nosy. He's like, everybody stops because they want to look and see what happened. Don't yeah. act like people don't care about you, what you have to say. They absolutely do. And so I think the more we can remove those and liberate ourselves and create structures around the things that interest us, make our business growth, our content, make our content, you know, a storyline and a conversation, not a product pitch. The closer we get to making things more wholesome, more enjoyable and more long, more sustaining too. So yeah, not only is it great for your audience, but it's great for you mentally speaking, yeah. as well as, you know, just to create a lot and, and do it more easily. <laughs> I like that. I'm not, we're going to have to quote you on that. You know, everybody wants to be nosy. You do have something to say that people <laughs> won't listen to. That's, that's huge. That's huge. You know? I mean, think about it. We're so quick to be flipping through our phones, you know, so fast. And like, it's that one thing that's going to stop you, right? And being nosy. And it's usually something you're not privy to on a daily basis. You're going to stop and look at, right? Yeah. You're not so, thinking yeah, about the fact it. that you're no. slowing down traffic. You're like, what's no. going on? You know, like yeah. the, the, your neighbors, the neighbors get the cops called and their sirens outside. You're like, what's happening? You're looking through yeah. the blinds. You're like old man, you're the old man grouch trying to figure out yeah. what's going on. And we're all like that. And, and it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I just think that the more we can peel back those layers and just, uh, yeah, expose 
what yeah. makes us unique, the more people relate with us, the more they feel like they know us and yeah. the more they want to work with us. So, yeah. um, yeah, the more relatable you are, the, yeah, that's a, that's a strategic advantage that anybody should be leaning in on for sure. <laughs> so yeah. Angie, technically I shouldn't be here in a suit, right? Because if I'll be in a suit, yeah, I'm a politician, but at the same time, this is me. <laughs> Let me get a hat and t-shirt, right? <laughs> there you go. He's the most non-conforming politician ever. Well, when I say conforming, I mean, I, it's all about the better good of the community, you know, but I mean, personality and looks, skin color, I mean, a little different, but you yeah. know, it's, in the end, it's, it's for the right, it's for the for me personally, morally, ethically, it's for the community, right? So that's what it boils down to. Yeah, populism, right? Yeah, you gotta <laughs> speak to what the people want and what the people are discussing. Yeah, what like, yeah, that's, that's a, the term, right? Yeah, that's a political want... word. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, I have my roots in some of that stuff, and I think yeah, that yeah. that's a huge part of it. Where yeah, you're listening, you're paying attention. You're, you're not reading the tea leaves, you're getting feedback. That's a huge aspect of it. So yeah. like you bring up politics as if it can be, it, it almost feels like it might be separate with the suit and tie, but when you're bringing that aspect into it, you're creating, you're creating an inclusive environment where people feel like they maybe can give a little bit more feedback and yeah. maybe be a little bit more involved. Yeah. We all want to be heard. Right. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, man. If you're absolutely. listening, then that's, that's yeah. huge for, for politics. <laughs> Yes, I think you're a great example for any entrepreneur that's watching on how you're just continuing to evolve and taking the what you like to do, um, going back all the way from the beginning of, you know, doing poetry, turning it into, uh, you know, ghostwriting for people. And now you're thinking more forward and it's going to evolve into blogging for other people, which is a huge, valuable asset. Um, anyone in SEO knows how important it is to blog. We all are supposed to be updating our blog on our website. How many of us do it? Maybe 10%, right? No, yeah. Google, yeah, but... everyone should know Google will heavily reward you just by installing a blog on your um, your website. So I love that you're just continuing to, you know, like you said, getting feedback from your clients and now you're providing them more value. So any entrepreneur that's watching, I hope that they are able to um, use your roadmap as an example and uh, continue you. to provide value. So yeah, thank you. We have four minutes. We have the Zoom clock counting down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to go back to LinkedIn and would you be able to give us an example of a perfect LinkedIn post? As a, as a LinkedIn expert. Hold on, let me take it. notes. I need to take notes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, okay. Uh, a, per, a perfect LinkedIn post. Okay. Um, a perfect LinkedIn post creates a ton, so much curiosity. I just can't even help myself. It, it, uh, it captivates my attention. It speaks directly to me. It does not speak to a large group of people. It, uh, you're not in an auditorium as much as you want to be at Ted at a Ted talk. You're not at a Ted talk. You're just posting <laughs> content to LinkedIn. People are reading it by themselves. So write it like someone's by themselves. Um, it has a hook that doesn't say too much, but it says just enough. Um, maybe there's a question, a you statement, um, a, a, you know, maybe someone's telling a story and they give me the final statement before the juicy bits at the end. They're like, you know, here I was, I woke up in my bed. I looked around. I had no idea what was happening. You know, I put my shoes on, I walked out the door, it was raining, whatever, you know, like you bring those focal points yeah. in there. 
Um, but also the text is broken up. There is not a single set of any, any chunk of it that goes beyond two lines because you're going to bore your reader and their eyes are yeah. going to drift away because we all scan and we all, you know, it's just great copywriting to split the sentences apart. Every sentence should be a paragraph. Um, maybe some emojis, but a lot of conversational content, because I think a lot of people try to make their stuff sound like it's a business review or a, a journal of some sort that's being peer reviewed by a large group of people. Stop trying so hard. Just just act yeah. like you're sitting across the table from the person that's reading it like we are right now. And we're having a conversation and life is good. And, and, and you got to remember that every day you're going to be showing up, creating a new piece of content. So you want people to feel like they can step back in. They're not going to a fancy restaurant. They're stopping in at their local deli and they're saying hello to the butcher that they love. That's how you want your content to yeah. feel. And so when you do that, not only does it take away the stress of getting a few typos wrong or maybe even making a mistake or an error so often, but it also makes it more conversation and more relatable and, and, and yeah, be emphatic. And then when you get to the bottom, you get to the end of the text. I also don't think it should be too long. If you're going over a thousand characters, you should probably stop soon. You know, um, that you're, you're talking, you're talking seven, seven to eight paragraphs. Maybe if you go beyond yeah. that, just turn it into a blog because I'm not going to read it. And if somebody else does, they probably got too much time on their hands. And I know that the LinkedIn algorithm is, you know, is, is rewarding that. So anyways, the end of the post should, should have a call to conversation. It should have a question that not only speaks directly uh, to the target audience that you may be appealed to, but also a wider reaching question. Say you used a GIF with Nicolas Cage. Ask what your favorite Nicolas Cage movie is or your yeah. least favorite, you know, because people, you know, they get a little uh, upset about Nicolas Cage. So, um, you know, like something like that. It could be even yeah. that simple or a more wider reaching question about the topic at hand or your niche. And then Throw in three hashtags, no more than that, something related to your audience, your niche, and the topic of the, the subject matter of the post. That's a perfect, that's a perfect LinkedIn post, um, something that drives conversations because that's what's going to boost you in the algorithm. So uh, you don't do that if you, if you overwhelm people and don't make it easy to scan through and, uh, and you don't make it approachable. Otherwise, people are just going to like it and they're going to keep moving on. And the algorithm is going to see that because linger time is being monitored by LinkedIn. So yeah, that would be uh, the best thing I can do. That's <laughs> going to go viral. That's going to go viral. Mark my words. That's the best advice we could get on a LinkedIn post. I want to get your thoughts on page versus personal profile. Okay. Business page versus per personal? On LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I think the business page serves a good purpose of making your experience section look nice. And it, it, that way you don't have a blank image, but beyond that, I don't really think the business page serves much more of a purpose other than to, to give, you know, a little bit more context around the business. I think there's certainly some, some room for branding and stuff like that, but I also just question whether or not someone would be as inclined to read a business page or would they rather engage with a personal brand? I, I mean, more than likely, people are going to lean towards the personal brand. And I think the business page should be there to, to give, that a, give that additional. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a business page, you probably want to get them to move over to your website or join a list or uh, set up a meeting or whatever it may be. So maybe you don't even want them there for that long. So um, yeah, it's a good question to ask. But I think if you're focusing on creating content, I would definitely push that content to the personal page, not so much the business page. Um, if anything, it's like, hey, our CEO said this a really amazing thing, and we'd really like to 
highlight it here on the on the business page, that might be a better route to take. But just talking from the business lens, I think people are just going to get that commercial vibe. They're going to get that they're watching something they're really enjoying and they're being interrupted. Whereas if it's a if it's a person that feels it just feels more tangible and more relatable. I I, I, just, I just don't think you can replace that with the business page. So um, yeah, that would be my that'd be my take on it. And I feel that way pretty much across most platforms. And yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on our show. You'll find us on YouTube. The name of the show is Marketing Made Me. So if you go to marketingmademe.com, subscribe, like, leave a comment for Daniel. Yeah, I really appreciate this opportunity and I'm happy I could be the first one. And uh, uh, it's been great to be here and great to meet both of you. All right, Daniel. Uh, all right, take we'll care. We'll see you on LinkedIn. All right, sounds good. I'll, I'll <laughs> wait to hear from you. You take care, all right? All right, man. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks, both of you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.